Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you this morning. And uh, if you're here for the first time today, it's great to have you. I, I'm just so glad that the, the band finished playing with that song this morning. And, and I hope that as we sung it, the words resonated with your heart and, and you really have a desire to listen to the Word of God because when we listen to the Word of God and we open our hearts to changing, we can position ourselves well to receive the blessing of God and to realize what He has for us. He, he does love us. He is good. He's all-knowing. His ways are perfect, and when we infuse those into our lives, we get to experience the blessing of that. And so today, um, it's my joy to be able to bring to you the Word of God and to spend some time with you. Let's bow and, and ask the Lord's blessing on our time together. Father, thanks for this moment, for each one who's here. Lord, thank you for the truths that are contained in the Word of God that are available to us, that, that Father, have been given to us, that have been preserved for us down through generations by faithful men and women. And that, Father, we have a, the ability today to delve into them, to listen to them, to allow the Spirit of God to infuse them with our own hearts and, and to align us ourselves with what is good and right and, and pleasing in your sight and a, a source of blessing for us. And so today, Father, I pray that as we think about family and we think about our values, that, that Father, um, we might see fruit. We might see the benefit of, of aligning ourselves with the truths of the Word of God. Would you give us, by your grace, the ability to do that today? We give you thanks. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So um, in just over a week's time, Nick and I will be celebrating 30 years of marriage. Um, really, truly excited about that. Nick and I uh, have been together for a long time. I've known Nick since I was 16 years old, um, and uh, we became family when I was 23. <clears throat> um, we've been family for almost two-thirds of my life, and we've been parents for half of my life. For those of you who like cryptic riddles, figure that one out. We doesn't mean we had children before we got married. Those of you who are bad at math. We got married, later we had, had, had kids, but that was cool. It's safe to say that we came from good homes, both of us, um, and that we loved our, our homes, our families. We had, we had, we had good, solid homes, and, and we valued them. We still value our families and, and, our, and our homes that we've come from. And I can honestly say that um, when I said my vows 30 years ago, I had every intention of creating a good and happy home. I remember that day really clearly, by the way. Um, it's one of those days in, in a person's life, the day you get married. For some people, it's just a blur. You know, they, they were there. They know because there's video footage of it. There's, there are photographs. But for them, they were so consumed in what was going in the marriage, they actually don't remember much of what happened. I remember specific thoughts of that day moment by moment of, of things that happen. I'm sure there are things that I've forgotten, but so, I remember so much of it, and I, I remember intensely sitting there as a young man, totally unprepared, totally unresourced, saying, I, I, I have all the intention in the world of, of creating a good home and a happy family. I have all the intention of being a good husband, loving my wife and providing a good future for her. I had every hope that we would one day have kids and that we would be good parents. 
now, 30 years later, we have a fantastic family. There's just no two ways about it. Um, Nick and I are more than just still in love. Um, we have a, uh, a peaceful, joyous home, and, and both of our kids are living in ways that just blow us away every day with hearts of gratitude. Now, I need to tell you that it was not always this way. Um, and if it were not for the incredible God of grace invading our lives and, and, and coming in and changing the way I thought specifically, especially, uh, we would not have what we have today. If you ask Nick, she would probably tell you that she would doubt that we would have made it past year one. Um, you know, you would think that the first year of marriage would be the best, that it would be the easiest. After all, it's a honeymoon phase, and you love each other, and it's all good, and it's all romantic, it's all great, and it's, everything's perfect, and nothing could be wrong. You'd think that the first year would be the easiest and the best. Even though I had every intention of building a happy home, the first months of our marriage were not happy, especially for Nick. Even though I had every intention of being a good husband, loving my wife and providing a good future for her, if you saw how I spent my time, how I acted, the people I hang out with, you would have to say, if you were an honest counselor, me. You are not a good husband. You do not act as if you love your wife. The way you are going, she has a disastrous future if she remains with her hooked to your wagon. And you would have been right. The one thing for sure is that you would say to me is, whatever you do, don't have kids because you'll just smash up their lives. Now, here's the thing. If you had asked me at that time in my life, in, the, in that first few months of our marriage, if you had asked me what was important to me, I would have honestly said, oh, my marriage and my wife. And, and, and I really am, am, am hoping and, and, and I value the idea of creating a good and happy home and a happy future. These are the things that are important to me. I would have said those things and I would have been sincere. I would have meant them. But I would have been wrong. If you asked me what my values were, what was important to me, I would, those are the things I would have told you, but I would have been wrong. The reality was that at that time, what was really important to me, what I really valued was my personal pleasure that I put over my wife, my need to impress my workmates over my family, and even abusive living that I put over the hope of ever creating a happy future. That was the reality. That was where my true values lied. Even though I would have said 
happy, I value my wife and I value my home and I value the prospect of having a happy future with a, you know, the dream house, the dream home, the dream world. I, I would have said I value those. But if you were to examine my life, what you would have seen that my true values were not that at all. There was another set of values running parallel with what I said I valued. You see, there's a disconnect between what I wanted and what I did. I did want to be a good husband. I did want to have a good home. I did want a good future. But the things I was doing was leading me in a direction that was in an opposite direction to those things. Andy Stanley makes a statement. He says, our destination is not determined by our intentions, but by our direction. Our destination is not determined by our intentions, but by our direction. And he's right. He's, he's, he's accurate on that. If you're heading up the N2 north, up the N2, cruising along quite happily, you will not get to Port Shepston. As much as that might be your intention, you might have all the, uh, the desire in the world to be going to Port Shepston, but if you're heading north up the end to your direction is determined, uh, your, your destination is determined by your direction, not your intention. And it's easy for us to say we want to go this way, but to be doing things in our life that are heading us in a, another direction towards another destination. The things that we do how we act and our direction is driven by our true values, not by what we hope for. Things that are really at the core of, of what we really, really, really want, not what we, what we hope for, not what we say we want, that will determine our direction. I do not know a person who started out hoping for a bad marriage. But I know a lot of people who are headed in that direction and alone a lot more people who have arrived at that destination. I do not know of a person who sets out thinking, I think I will be a bad husband or a bad wife. But you and I know a lot of people who are bad husbands and a lot of people who are bad wives. Not our intention, but the direction we're heading leads to that destination. I do not know of a person to, who, who set out to have kids and intended that they would be a bad parent. No one does that. But you and I know a lot of kids who are really not nice to be around. And that has more to do with bad parenting than it does with the kid. Our intentions do not determine our destination, our direction does, and our direction is determined by what we value most at any given time. So over the next five weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be looking at the family and specifically at family values, the things that we value. We're going to be spending time thinking about our inner values, our core values, and see how those relate to family. This is not a traditional series on the family. You're not going to hear some of the stuff that you might expect to hear on family. We wanted to take another approach to look at it from another perspective, to be thinking about our core values and how that affects 
our being family and different aspects of being family. And so that's where we're going to camp for the next couple of weeks. And, and I hope that you're all going to be here and that you would even invite some friends to come along and listen to this because this is what counts. I can honestly tell you that when I think back over my life, the richest and the greatest blessings that God has given me, the, the things that, that if people will say to me, how can you be sure God is real? What, what evidence do you have that, that God acts in time and space and history? I can tell you that the thing that I have that is most tangible is my family. And I can say that because we didn't start out right. We, I was heading in the completely wrong direction. And when I allowed God to invade my life and to begin to change those values and to infuse them into my life, that's when the blessings began. And as a result, we've landed by God's grace in a place that, that is more than we ever dreamed or imagined. And that's why I want to say to you, no matter what stage of life you're in, let the Word of God, let the things that are said today infuse into your heart, invite your friends, come along to it, be part of that, and engage in that as much as you can. So this morning I'm going to spend more time speaking about values than anything else. If you think about values, we all have them. We, we all have values, and it's those values that, that, that direct us, drive us, and, and determine the choices that we make. You might not think about your values very much. I mean, I'm sure you don't wake up every morning thinking, okay, I'm going to go through my list of values. I value those. I value. You don't think about them. They're like our lungs. We have them. They're important to us. They're in us. They, they help us enjoy life. But we don't think about them until they're not working, until they're messed up. We need to think about them. But they're just there. They just, they just operate at the core of who we are. They're deep inside us. They're right inside our psyche and our soul. They're the things that are in the, in the core of us. They just are there. We've all got them. And they are so important, such an important part of our lives. Our values are, are our core beliefs. They are the things that we really believe in our heart of hearts. Regardless of what we say we believe. They are the things we, we really want, even if we're not about to admit that to just anybody. And I know that, that for most of us, there are things, deep desires that are within us that we would be very guarded as to who we would share those with, and perhaps maybe even nobody. On the surface, we would say, yes, this and that. And we might even be sincere, but we know in our heart of hearts there are other things that move us and drive us. They're the deep passion, the deep desires that reside in our core. Those are the true values. And that's what we want to... If today, if you get one thing out of this, is that, that I would want you to become aware of those and begin to think about those deep core values. and to Begin to analyze even your own life in light of those. You see, we all like to think that our values are good. None of us, like I say, start out thinking, oh, I want to have bad values. I want to like things that are bad and destructive and hurtful and harmful. So we like to think that our values are good, but they just might not be that way. We might not realize that our real values might be robbing us of what is truly good. So if you were asked to make a list of the five things you valued most, we would probably all put down similar things. I value my, 
my family and I value my wife and value my children, I value my ability to work, I value my God, I value my church. You might put all lists. I bet you we would have very similar things on any given list. If I was to hand out a piece of paper to you, say, top five values, yeah, put them down. What are they? But at closer inspection, in a, in a moment of honesty, we might discover that our real values, the things that are really at our core, may be rubbing us of those things that we would hope for or would put on that list. This was true in my case as a new husband. In my head, in my mind, and my true intentions were real. They were real. But there were values that were deeper inside me that I wasn't aware of, that were, that were just going to rob me of those things that I hoped for and wanted and thought were thought I needed, thought were important to me. You know, example, how many people say they really value their children, but then you see them driving down the road at 100 kilometers an hour with the child standing on the back seat without a safety belt? How can you say, I value my children, yet you put your child in a position of risk so that when you hit the brakes, that child goes flying forward as a, like a missile through your windscreen. You do not value your child. You might discover that what you actually value is that moment of temporary peace that you get when your child gets their way and stops screaming and yelling and saying, I want to stand up on the back seat. <laughs> That's what's more important to you at that time. How many people would say that they value their husbands or their wives, but whenever they they talk to you about them, you get the, the feeling that they want you to think that they deserve a medal for being married to them. You get the distinct feeling that what is important to them is winning rather than building up. There's a, there's a sense in which they would say they value their marriages and their husbands and their wives. But when they talk, you just get the sense that they're just in it because they've got to be in it. They're stuck in it. And when the kids are up and older, they don't even know if they're going to survive. And and they want someone to blame. You've spoken to people like that. And then there are some values that may sound good at first, but when we think about them, we realize that they are destructive. How many people have damaged their lives and their families because their ambition to succeed has ruled and governed their choices? Now, you, you might say the, the value to, to, to succeed is a good value, but it might not be if it takes you away from the things that are hugely important. How many women have hurt themselves because of their obsession with beauty? They value beauty so greatly that they've done great harm to themselves. And how many men have harmed women for the same reason? Because they value beauty. They have said things that have torn down and cut up, and they have misused and abused women because of this obsession, this value of external beauty. Some of the values that we think are good are not good at all. And then there is a more complex matter. Which of the values um, are we going to give more 
priority, more weight to. Because we often have conflicting values that each one in its own might be good. But we need to, to be able to discern which one has more weight, which one will get higher priority in any, any given situation. Um, and we need to put them in the right place. You might, for example, value cleanliness. I like people who value cleanliness. We like that, don't we? You know, you're, the person you're sitting next to in church today, you're glad they value cleanliness. Because if they didn't. But what happens when our, our value of, of personal hygiene and cleanliness collides with our, we, 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 we would say, I love people. That's a good value. So you're at, at Crossroads Orphanage and a little kid comes up to you and he's got big glazed donut snotties coming out of his, and you can just see little bits of dirt in his hair and his fingers are filthy and he's grubby, he's been playing all day and, you know, you're not even sure if he's got AIDS or what, but he comes up to you like this and all he wants to do is receive your love. But your value of cleanliness. Sometimes our values collide. They're both good values, but we now have to decide what's more important at this moment, my value of personal hygiene and cleanliness? Well, let me just pick this little guy up and give him a hug because that's what he needs. That's what's more important. And I don't care if I'm, if I'm going to smell for a while and get snot all over me and I'm going to have to go home and get a shower later. So some of our values conflict. You, you value a, a tidy home and your personal space. Be honest with yourself, how many times has that prevented you from being hospitable the way you should? Inviting people into your home and allowing them to mess it up and dirty it and take your time and space and rob you from your feet up on the couch moment. You value punctuality and, and quality. How often do these collide with our need to be gracious and tolerant with those who are less than perfect or a little bit tardy with their time? So we need to be careful. So we all have values and the things that direct our path. These are the things that direct our path and determine our choices. Our goal in this series is that we would all become aware of our core values. That's our goal. Be aware of our core values and be honest with ourselves and be willing by the grace of God to change those core values and to bring them into line with the heart of God. Everything we do over the next five weeks is that. It's going to be to cause you to become more aware of your values, to evaluate them, to think about them, the core values, not just the things you say at the surface because we all agree on those. The things that really are directing your paths, the things that are really determining your destination. Become aware of what those things are. And then to, by the grace of God, align them with the heart of God so that he can direct your path and determine your destination. Jesus brilliantly models this for us. Um, Jesus had values. It's so clear. He was aware of what they were, and his values were perfectly aligned with the heart of God. And we see this just sort of boil up and come through in, in the things that he did and the things that he said. I want to look at a couple of passages with you just to show you 
how this, this is real in his life, to, to show you that his core values, his, 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 his heart values, and, and how he was so acutely aware of these things, and that he, he was able to align them with the heart of God in every situation. First one, Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Let's have a look at that together. So you know this account, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into, his, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. This is right at the beginning of his ministry, right at the early days of his ministry. This is like a, kind of like a, it, it's, it's almost as if right at the outset we need to see that Jesus is a man on a mission to live according to godly values. So he says, he was led into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and for 40 nights, greatest understatement of all, he, he was hungry. <laughs> and the tempter came to him and said, So if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and said, and, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All of this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left him. The angels came and attended him. In all three of these situations, Jesus is faced with legitimate desires. It was legitimate that he would be hungry and, and, and feed himself. We, no one would argue with that. It, it was um, legitimate that he would be saved and rescued by God. That, that was perfectly legitimate. It was written. And he had a legitimate right to the kingdoms of the earth. He should have those. Those things were promised to him in Scripture. But above them all, above all those legitimate values, legitimate de desires, he valued his relationship with his heavenly Father, and he would not violate that for anything. He knew what his core value was, his core value to know the will of his heavenly father and to do it. And so these other values were put in place. Let's look at another passage. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So now Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. 
we need to be fair to Peter here for a moment. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We would probably have said the same thing to Jesus. Avoiding suffering is a value I hold quite dear, personally. Avoiding death is a value I hold dear. Avoiding suffering from my friends is right next to avoiding suffering from, for me. Avoiding death of my friends is right next to me avoiding death for myself. I'm not sure which one. I'd like to say avoiding death for you is more important to me, but in the core of the core, the time of the moment, I don't know. I, I hope it's not tested. But, but we would agree that those are values, probably core values of ours. So we might say the same thing. Jesus is talking about going to Jerusalem and suffering and dying and, our, and, and Peter, as his friend, says, no, don't let this happen. We're not going to let this happen. But Jesus is acutely aware of his core values, his inner values, his deeper values. And though these things are important to him, Jesus didn't cherish the idea of suffering. He didn't cherish the idea of dying. He valued staying alive. He valued not suffering. But more important to him, at a deeper level, at its core, was understanding that this is what he had to do, was the will of his father. He's perfectly aligned with the heart and purpose of his heavenly father. On one occasion, uh, Jesus is asked, which is the greatest commandment? Without hesitation, he replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your might. This is the first and the greatest commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's why we have love written up as one of our, our core values, our priority value as a church, to love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and to love our neighbors as ourselves, to love one another as ourselves. We realize this has got to be a core value. Jesus, it was clear to him, off the top of this, that's just what came straight out. Those are the greatest commandments. That's what's most important. Perhaps nowhere do we get to see his values show more than in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's crucified. Look at me with chapter 26 of Matthew. Look at verse 39. Here Jesus is uh, in the in the Garden of Gethsemane, for those of you who might not be too aware of the, the, the story and the progress of time here, his time on earth is drawing right to an end. In fact, he's at the last day. He's had, had a, a, his last supper with his, his disciples and his friends, and he's prayed with them, and he's directed them and taught them. He goes into the Garden of Gethsemane with them to pray, to muster the courage and the strength, and also to align himself with the will of God. And we find him in this moment, moments away from being arrested, taken and flogged and beaten and mocked and shamed and then ultimately crucified. And so he knows exactly what is coming. And so in, in his humanity, he finds himself in this intense moment. And we just, it's those moments of, of, of pressure that our values tend to come to the surface. And it, it most perfectly does in this situation. Verse 39, going a little farther. He fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Now, this cup he's talking about is the things that are to come. 
He's saying the, the suffering and the death, the crucifixion, the shame, the acceptance of all the sins of the world, the turning away of my father's face, the judgment of God upon me, the agony and the suffering, the pain, this is a cup that I'm about to drink. See, he's saying, Father, if there's any way that this, these things can be avoided, if there's anything whether this cup can be taken from me, but then listen to his words. Yet, not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me just one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed this the third time, saying the same thing. This cup, if it's not possible for it to be taken away, it, is it possible? I, who knows? But here's the important thing. It, at my heart of hearts and my core value is this, that your will be done. The pressure of the garden caused the core value to come to the surface. Pressed against the face of torture, extreme pain, the acceptance of the sins of the world, what won over that day was Jesus' clearly defined values which were perfectly aligned with the heart of God, and that was to do his will above everything else. And someone might say, yes, and look where his values got him. Flogged, beaten, tortured, and killed. And then we who know the rest of the story would say, absolutely. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven and he experienced the satisfaction of his hunger. He experienced the salvation and the rescue of the hand of God and he stands in heaven anticipating the installation of the kingdoms of the earth which are rightfully his as a resurrected king and he has secured those and the, the, the salvation and the provision of God, not just for himself, but for everyone who puts their faith in him. See, we have to believe and trust that God is good, that he is all-knowing, that he is worthy of our trust. So we need to align ourselves with him, align our values with his heart, and be aware of what they are. In that there is the greatest reward. So there's two things we need to do. If we're going to discover the blessing of God, the blessing that he intends for us to enjoy, and the significance and the purpose in our families. The first is this. To define and possibly for yourself redefine the specifics of what you value. Allow yourself over the next couple of weeks 
to let this be something you think about. Don't push back from it because this could be awkward. It could be difficult. When I discovered that my values were not what I wanted and what I hoped for and were heading, leading me in another direction, it was a difficult thing. It was a bitter pill to swallow, but it was true and I needed it. And I want to say this to you. There may be things that are moving and shaping and directing your life that you're holding on to because these are your core values. I want you to become aware of them. All of us would say that family is important. We would all say that we, we hold to family values. But what if we got brutally honest with ourselves? It's not enough to say, I value my wife. If, in fact, the things that we're doing and the things we say might indicate that her joy, her sense of feeling loved, her virtue, her self-esteem are not important to us. Don't say you value your wife. Don't let it settle there. But allow yourself to be go one step further and, and get specific. Say, say to yourself something like this, I value my wife, so her joy is a priority to me. So I must do what I can, what I must, to make her feel loved. So that I must protect her virtue. So that building up her self-esteem is important to me. It's a priority. It's something I will spend time and energy and effort into. That's when you can say, I value my wife. It's not enough to say, I value my children if in fact we allow them to have whatever they want, whenever they want it. You know, we, we use the term spoiled children so easily these days. It, it's just out there. In fact, we use it with a bit of humor. You know, ah, oh, just a spoiled little kid, or sometimes a spoiled brat. And then as grandparents, you know, oh, I'm going to spoil them rotten, you know. Um, and we use that term, spoiled kids, but just stop and think about this for a moment. That, that phrase, actually, as I thought about it this week, is, is, is horrendous. You know, we, we go to the fridge and we take out milk and we go, it's spoiled. It's offensive to us. And worse than spoiled milk is spoiled meat. Have you ever done that? And you open that pack and go, oh, whoa, this stuff is like green. It's like oozing. It just stinks. It's offensive. And so are spoiled. How could we spoil? How could we want to spoil children that become offensive? Get specific. I value my children. I, so helping them develop character is going to be important to me. I want them to learn to be selfless, considerate of others. Because I value them, I want them to love God above all things. I want them to learn to trust Him and to give Him first place in their lives. What's it going to take in your life? What kind of investment of time and energy and effort are you going to have to make for that to become a reality in their lives? Will I take the time and the effort and the energy and the investment, the emotional energy it takes to discipline them and to train them in the way they should go? 
Will I not allow my own selfishness and my own personal pleasure to exasperate my children, to frustrate them? If you say you value your children, you've got to go one step deeper and say, what I really, really value about my children and about the way I'm going to relate to them as a parent, what's really important. It's not enough to say I value my family when we're willing to take that time that we should be spending with them and giving it to our work. At that moment, we're saying I value my work or the approval of my boss over my family. So we have to choose. It's important. Your work is, is important. Your ability to work is important. Your, your time at work is important. It's a value. But you have to make a choice. Which one at this time will take priority? What am I going to put over the other? And get specific with it. And then the second thing we need to do is ensure that our values are aligned with God's values, to see our lives, our families through the eyes of God. question is, do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that he is all-wise, all-knowing? Do you believe that he actually wants to bless you? He actually wants to bless your family. He really does. He wants you to experience life and joy. And, and our families are such a picture and image of the relationship between Christ and the Father and, and, and of God that it's even used that way in the scriptures as a husband and wife is, related, is, is likened to the, the, the relationship between Christ and the church and, and the love of a parent is with our heavenly Father, with the, with the love of God. It's, it's, the family is the greatest expression of the, the love and the character of God. He wants us to experience these things, but we have to trust him. We have to align our, our values with his heart and follow those, and be willing to hold to them, even if at the time it just doesn't seem to make sense. And you believe this. The most important thing you can do is know him, and know what's important to him, and make that important to you also. So, Lord willing, in eight days' time, we will celebrate 30 years of family. I haven't even decided what we're going to do yet. I haven't bought a present. 30th anniversary is a big one. I learned from my mother yesterday. It's the pearl wedding anniversary. But Nick doesn't want pearls, so I'm going to have to buy her a flat at the pearls. <laughs> so... I'm going to have to come up with something else. <laughs> it's just not going to work. Um, but I can honestly say, and I mean this with all my heart, we're going to celebrate that, Lord willing, that we don't die between now and then. Oh, that would be horrible. Um, but, but should eight days come, we are going to celebrate. Not, not, not this. Oh, boy. 30 years of sentence up. I've survived being married to her for 30 long years. The ball and chain. No, we, we are going to celebrate family. And genuinely celebrate it because it's incredibly awesome. The greatest source of, of, of material joy 
in my life. We will celebrate that. And I can honestly tell you this, that it is all because of the grace of God. Because one day I got the opportunity to see how my values conflicted with what I really wanted. God's grace infused, invaded my life and opened my eyes and brought people into my life to say, you are not a good husband. You can say your, fa- your family is important to you, but it is not. And I got the opportunity to see that, to become aware and awake of the things that I say I really want to do are just not my core values. It was a very, very tough thing to go through. And the best thing ever. Because alongside that, I was introduced to Jesus Christ, the truth of his word, my gracious heavenly father, the family of God, and with the spirit of God, all of those things work together to help me know and understand who God is, to discover his heart, and then by grace to align my values, my core values with his heart. And then just to stand back and enjoy the blessings that flow. That's by the grace of God. So it's my pleasure to encourage you to do the same for yourself starting from today. Will you stop and think about the direction you're heading in? Your direction determines your destination, not your intentions. Your core values are the things that determine your direction. Will you take time to do do an evaluation? Make a list if you must. Whatever's going to work for you. Maybe pull away if you must. Go for a walk on the beach and stop and ask yourself the question. Is the direction that I'm heading in, in my family, in my relationships, my relationship, and even if you're not a a parent or married yet, my relationship with my boyfriend, the relationship with my parents, the relationship with myself, with God, the direction that I'm heading in, is it likely that these things that I know that I want one day is likely that I, that's going to head in that direction and I'm going to find them? Or is there something else going on inside my soul, inside my heart, that is just causing me to veer off in another direction and I don't know about it? You allow yourself the time to stop and think about those things. And then by the grace of God to realign your core values, the things you really, really, really want with the heart of God. Let's pray. Father, how I thank you for the blessings of this day. Lord, let this be a sacred moment in each of our lives where, Lord, though it might seem so technical and so, so uh, even awkward for us, would, would, Lord, you enable each of us in this room to just stop and think about what we really want. Why do we do the things we do? Think about our habits. Think about the, the direction we're headed in. The things we, we cherish and invest our time in. Think about the, where we spend our money. Because we know, Lord, that where our treasure is, there our heart is also. It's, it's a good indicator of our values. That we would think about these things. We would think about the friends we hang out with. And what direction are they leading us in? Do they, do they somehow take us away from you and, and, and from what you would want for us? That we would evaluate all these things and think, what is it that I really, really want? 
that, that I'm trying to achieve and what am I trying to appease? Those are our core values. And we become aware of these. And Lord, would you, by your grace, help us to enter into the process of aligning our hearts with yours, our values with your values. Let us do this so that in our personal lives and in our family lives, you would be glorified. There would be great significance and purpose. There would be peace and harmony. There would be joy. There would be love. There would be a, a reflection of the, the person of God right there in our homes. Father, we just pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.